You're listening to Consciously Crude. Unapologetic truths the collective is ready for. Granting permission for the incognito spiritual badass to dive deeper into the magic of their universe. Come out of the spiritual closet. Awaken your courageous heart. Step deeper into your divine power. These are the quantum upgrades your matrix is ready for. Let's dive deep. Hello and welcome to this episode of Consciously Crude. We are sitting down with both mine and Amanda's good friend, Talina Van Essen. Talina is a magical soul who came into my life quite some time ago. We both grew up in good old Barhaven in Ottawa, Ontario, and Talina went to the public high school and I went to the Catholic high school in that area. We'd often see each other at parties or parking lot hangouts and we're never quite that close. But for me, being uh, an intuitive, I have had lots of people in my life, during my life, who have stuck with me in a different way. And they make me feel a sense of, ooh, I'm going to come across this person again in my lifetime and it's going to be for something real special. And Talina's always been one of those persons, people. (laughs) And so about five years ago now, her and I rekindled our relationship over tea and chatted about all sorts of things and have been very connected ever since. Earlier this year, was my 31st birthday right before lockdown happened. And I got a few women together in a beautiful location up in Quebec to celebrate my birthday with deeper connections and a beautiful ceremony. And that's where Amanda and Talina met. And since March, we have been in group chats together, supporting each other, cheering each other on, listening to our woes and our darkness and our challenges. And she's just a wonderful being of light, an alien in her own way. And we both love this woman so much. If you feel called to work with her or to connect with her, her her contact will be in the show notes because we just know you will love Talina as much as we do. (laughs) And we have absolutely nothing planned for this episode. We're just going to be our weird selves and communicate for all of you guys. And I'm sure it'll be (laughs) so entertaining. (laughs) Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to be here. It took us like a couple tries to get this going, but Mm. I'm so excited. The the timing is perfect. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So, Um, uh, Talina, because we just started talking about this and we just hit record, I want you to, I want to ask you, tell me about yourself, but I want you to say what you just told us. Uh, yeah, I was just saying to Jazz that I, when we were offline, that um, I actually dread that question so much because I find a lot of people usually lead with what they do for money. Mm. And um, I, what I do for money is so not my personality at mm. all and doesn't describe me properly. 
Mm -hmm. Um, and I just feel like that just fits in such like this capitalistic world that, that we live in. And for some people, what they do for money describes them a lot. But I think for most folks out there, what you do for the roof over your head isn't actually who you are as a person. So for me, I, I was just saying to Jazz and Amanda that I'm just a weirdo on this planet for a little while and uh, I'm enjoying the ride and the connections that I make and yeah that's that's me and for those of you who know me just know that I just basically collect information Mm. (laughs) and I love learning and um yeah that's me just a weirdo who collects information and will regurgitate information to you (laughs) yeah I I think that there's a very beautiful theme that you've brought up, which is that, um, and I've seen you talk about it recently, is this idea that we're not just like the descriptions for what we make for money. And so like, why can't we just invite someone to the podcast just to talk for the sake of talking instead of for the purpose of, tell us about how you, (laughs) how you're monetarily successful. Mm. Or even tell us about how you serve others, right? There's always almost this agenda. And I find that that is when you meet someone for the first time, that's often the question that you get is, what do you do? It's not, what makes you happy? What makes you joyful? It's like, what do you do? A hundred percent. I think about a year ago, I decided that consciously, I'm going to stop asking people what they do for a living. Yeah, that's a gross question. Absolutely. And I've noticed now when I meet a new person and I don't ask that question, people are like vibrating to tell me what, what, what they do for money. It's so funny now because I'll just, all of a sudden we'll be talking about something and then they'll just be like, Oh, but guess what? Uh, This is what I do. I'm like, oh, cool. (laughs) Yeah, there's like this social etiquette that if you don't ask that question, it's like an elephant in the room or something. Like people have to speak that. Yeah, but it's just interesting that that's just ingrained Mm. in our brains. And something something that made me think more about that recently is um, uh, AOC our lovely politician lady and our congresswoman in the U.S., someone was uh, made a comment to her um, that if she loses in the next election, are you going to go back slinging um, drinks as a bartender? Yeah, because that. that's that, that's what she did before she was a congresswoman. Mm-hmm. And she's like, uh, I'll do it any day of the week. You know, there's, there's just this um, sort of classist, mentality in our society about your value of what Mm. you do um, for money or what services you provide determines your worth as a person. Mm. And we're just so much more complex than that. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. An attachment and an identity to our, our working it's like, what can we provide? It's like, what can I provide people? That's my worth. It's like, well, you can provide many things, but why is that the only, why is that the only interesting factor or important factor? Or why does that have to be the thing that fills you up 
or that makes you feel worthy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's an illusion. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally. Go ahead. No, I was just saying like, that's also the flack that a lot of women now get in society uh, if they choose to be a stay at home or work at home mom. Mm. Right. Uh, before it was like, okay, this is what women do. And then now that women are in the workforce and we like have absorbed like this capitalistic society with our careers and, and whatnot, when a woman chooses to stay at home with her children, there's like a, well, like, what are you really doing? You're at home all day, right? you know? And, and it's, it's different. Um, like before it was almost, it was not seen from a certain lens in terms of not like valued or appreciated the way that it should be. mm -hmm. And now it's through a different lens of, well, why are you wasting your life? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting, but I have a question about what we were talking about, uh, earlier about how your work specifically does not define you really in any capacity maybe it does in some capacity Mm -hmm. but how have you been able to navigate and create that separation and that boundary so that you can have a life that feels full because I think a lot of people struggle with that right if they if they don't really like their day job but it's not something that they're truly connected to through their heart how to how do you create a life around that Hmm. good question um, for me, when, when I was living in Ottawa, I was, uh, working for the government and mostly have, uh, done policy work, public policy work, which I absolutely loved. I was, um, you know, writing and editing and working for ministers. And I really felt like my ideas were becoming, uh, part of society. It was, mm. it was very cool. Um, and then, uh, about, you know, seven years into that, I fell in love with someone who lived in Montreal mm-hmm. and, um, I moved here, but I moved here for love. I didn't move here for a job. And mm-hmm. so the job that I took was just outside of my realm. I took a job in finance, um, something I've always been good at and has always been like a very small part of my career. So I was able to um, be qualified for that. And I've grown within, um, the university I, I work at in finance, but even though I'm good at finance, I feel like the only thing that really fits with me in finance is that I can be a very logical person. So it's like logical steps. It makes sense. There's evidence, et cetera. (laughs) Um, but in terms of like, that fire in your belly, I don't think that it, it really showcases, you know, my, my sensitivities and Mm. how much I love to connect with people. And Mm. um, yeah, really my heart, I think it doesn't, I don't get to show that at work as much. Mm -hmm. Um, I've definitely been um, shown, shown at work and been told at work, oh, you're, you're totally not a typical finance person. So they always mm-hmm. give me like the presentations, the lead on networking events, the, mm. 
Uh, if there's a big problem, I'm always the one that is like, okay, I, I can talk to a group of, you know, 60 year old doctors and tell them how this works and fix a problem. So they're not angry and all that stuff. Because usually finance person is like, you know, sitting there, you, you guys can't see me right now, but I'm kind of like, shielding myself from the world and you know <laughs> sitting neat. sitting in the corner right yeah, um yeah. so i think i think that i do showcase some of that at work but at the end of the end of the day i think um i i thrive mostly when i'm making connections and making connections with others and then also with data hmm. yeah which then lends to <laughs> where have you found that then if it's not inside work? Um, how have you created I, that for yourself? How I've, how I've created that. Um, yeah. So I've, I've gotten into astrology over the past two years and most recently have started offering uh, birth chart readings. Mm. And that's something that is just, so fun like this afternoon at like three o'clock I blew off work and decided to write a birth chart so <laughs> they ain't listening like, oh. <laughs> no they're not definitely not listening <laughs> and, and also I don't care I'm union, unionized I don't really care <laughs> um and and I find like just seeing the sky or analyzing the sky of when someone is born is just such a gift to understand their um the things that makes them them and mm. also you know the challenges that that have come up for them or um you know the gifts that they have and how the planets and houses talk to each other and as I've started doing that more and more, I'm just learning also at the same time because I'm a person that learns through doing. Mm. And um, it's just been, just been really exciting. So I love it. I love mm. that we're getting into that. And so for the person listening who is like, uh, I hate my day job. I'm not connected to it. I, but it also brings me like safety and security and I, and I want to keep it, but I want to create that life for myself that does allow me to connect with my heart space. What, what advice would you give them? I think that I would give them the advice of don't think about necessarily a side hustle. Just think about what you love to do. What's interesting to you. Mm -hmm. And that's how it sort of started for me. I was uh, extreme. I've always been extremely interested in astrology, in, um, you know, mysticism and uh, space. I love space. Mm -hmm. And so that's always just been something that I've read about or uh, had books on. And so over time, I started learning more and more to the point where I got comfortable enough to actually be able to offer it as a service. Right. And so my, my advice would be to actually follow your heart. What do you like? And mm -hmm. if, what do you like to do? What, what makes you creative? What brings you joy? 
And that can be everything from, you know, making puzzles or, Mm. uh, you know, journaling or, uh, you know, playing basketball, you know, join a rec league. I mean, maybe not right now and in these (laughs) times, but, you know, just certain things that, that you enjoy, try to do that outside during your free time. Mm-hmm. Not with the sense of, oh, how am I going to make extra money? But how am I going to bring joy into my life in a different way? Solo joy. You and I talk yeah. about solo joy a lot. Yeah. Explain solo joy, your perspective, and what that looks like for you. Mm. I am a bit of a lone ranger. Mm. I value my independence very much, Um, specifically in romantic relationships. I love being alone. Mm. Um, And it's extremely important to me when I am in a relationship with someone that they allow me that I should maybe take away the allow, but like that the relationship allows for time apart and different interests and um for me spending time by myself is one of my favorite things to do Mm. i take myself to the movies Mm. i go for walks by myself i i could have a whole weekend um where i just do activities alone and 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 rich too um, and, you know, at the end of the night, we might, you know, cuddle up on the couch and talk about what we did that day or, uh, watch a movie or something like that. But, uh, it is imperative for me in to have that space to reflect and enjoy my solo time and also just like release my thoughts as well. Right. Mm-hmm. It's harder for you to release thoughts when you're around others. Yes, mm. definitely. Definitely. Why? I think because when I'm around others, I am so interested in them. Mm-hmm. And so I, I want to know about them. I want to know what's going on with them. I feel them, um, like their, their vibration, their energy. Um, and... I almost, in a way, I don't want to say become them, but mm. it, it, it's like I, I feel an overlap where I'm such a chameleon in that way, mm. where I've always been a person who has, I've never really had like a, a group of friends that all hung out with each other. I always had significant relationships with people, um, outside of a group. So, you know, I would have a close friend here, a close friend there, close friend over here. And it wasn't often that they would all come together. Mm, And and I've been like that since I was a child. Um, I think that also anybody who's ever met you can say with conviction that you are just a big warm hug. Aw. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. And I think that speaks to what you're talking about, right? Of like, how your energy just 
are a, a chameleon in that way and you just are so warm and nurturing at the same time so makes sense yeah, yeah thank you mm-hmm. i remember when we first met i remember referring to you as like the cosmic mother it's like you are <laughs> so nurturing and yet you also are like i mean i'm sure that uh, our listeners can kind of get the the vibe that you are just there's a humility to all of the data that you hold <laughs> it's not like this like i know everything um i mean maybe i'm fully wrong about that but i feel like <laughs> at least you're really good at hiding it if that's how how you feel about it but it's um I get the I get the sense that you you observe very uh, you're you're very good at observing. So what can happen is that as you're observing things, the way that you you said you're so interested in people, it's like people are are in a way data, right? So it's like mm-hmm. you're collecting all the information, and like that's felt. Like I remember feeling incredibly seen and heard mm-hmm. and and held in your presence, and it felt like just the universe was like, poof, like watching, watching me as I was being experienced. So I think that's definitely a gift of yours in that the um, way in which you have translated that like data, uh, that talent with data, like it, I think that we think of sometimes these skills as really like, it's like, oh, data, finance, you're good with numbers, you go work with numbers, mm-hmm. but it's like, you're a multifaceted being with many talents. And so you're able to stand in front of many, many different people and communicate with them because you have such a, that chameleon ability. Um, mm. Where has that like chameleon, like also like what's been the benefits of that, but also like the shadow aspects of that? Mm, that's such a good question. Um, I think let's start with um the awesome parts of that <laughs> is that I, <laughs> because I feel like I, I could, I'm never afraid to meet anyone mm. or be in large groups. Mm. Uh, even though I would consider myself an introverted person. Mm. Um, so that has fared well for me because I don't have any social anxiety. Mm. Um, so that's not something, a hurdle that I've had to overcome. I also feel like I often have the ability to get what I want. Hmm. So it can be, and this is also a shadow aspect as well, is that I know what to say to certain people to, um, you know, have the result that I want or need. So in some ways it can be manipulative because Mm -hmm. I can see someone for, okay, this is how they operate. Um, This is my problem that I have. Let's say, okay, this is how I'm going to approach them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I often, I don't often have, conflicts with others because I know exactly what to say to pretty much everybody. The shadow and stuff you're talking about is probably like someone who's listening is like, well, that doesn't sound so bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, but, but, it, <laughs> but it can be right. It, yeah. it definitely is a shadow aspect uh, of myself because, um, you know, it speaks to the ego as well. Right. Because mm-hmm. I can become you know, overly confident in how much I know somebody or, 
um, what reaction I'm going to get from someone. And there mm-hmm. have been times where I've approached a situation and not gotten the result that I wanted. And that is a huge blow for me. Mm. Um, so, so I think, yeah, that, that aspect of being a chameleon is awesome, but also difficult in, in a lot of ways. And, um, I think, I think too, um, that I, can sometimes lose my, or I have at times lost my identity or felt like I didn't know myself. Yeah. Um, because I can get almost too involved in um, a connection with another person or someone else's problems or, mm-hmm. um, you know, obsessively. Mm-hmm. And, um, I've, I'm learning and, and have learned in the past and it's gotten better as I've gotten older and become more aware of that. Um, but even now I really have to remind myself, you know, this, this, this situation that this person is experiencing isn't mine. Mm -hmm. What's like the, as, and this is something that I can I feel like I can resonate with as well because I I know that feeling of knowing people really well and almost uh to the point where you then question like yeah what is what is like my intuition mm. what is my what is my like mind read of the situation which I think there's a difference between those things because one is like there's a level of like um like articulating a gift another one is like and manipulating with like, this is my projection, this is going to happen. It's almost self-fulfilling. Um, and as a chameleon, being really, really good at understanding situations and then learning how to kind of play with them and morph them. It's like, at what point do you, like you said, it's like, where's your identity and where's your need? Like, where do you become, it's literally like, I think of like, it's like, where do you become completely egoless and where do you become completely fucking ego? And being like, mm. I literally can, like, <laughs> I can fully such see a, all of this. Such a thin, thin line, eh? Yeah. Very thin. Very. And I, and I think that's one of the reasons why I spend a lot of time alone. Fair. Mm. Mm. Okay. Because I need to have that separation of self. Yeah. And I feel that. Yeah. So I think that that's what keeps me grounded because if I were to spend my time with people all the time, I don't think I would have a sense of self at all. Mm. And I would be very much ego driven because I would only be feeding off of the energy I receive back from others. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's, it's for the person who, like, I think that sometimes we can confuse like extrovert and introvert it's like, oh, I'm an introvert. I don't want to be around people. Or, But it, it's like, I think that you can be a very people, like you can be an introvert who's very much a people person. Um, mm. It's, I think, a matter of, like you're saying, and something that I've recently learned as well is like, where do I start and other people begin? And where where is my stuff and where is theirs? Um, and I even would go so far to say that I think as women being highly intuitive and highly nurturing like at the core, this is actually a, a problem that many women I'm sure experience. Yeah, for sure. I think that we 
have this like almost like need or desire from a soul level to create this space and this boundary. And it's up to us and our human experience to figure out what that looks like for our unique self, right? And the person who's the introvert who says, uh, I don't want to be around people, like I would say that that person just has no awareness of their boundaries, of what they need for their boundaries. Mm. Does, does that make sense? Yeah. Mm. What do you think, Talina? Interesting. Can you say more on that? Yeah, well, it just, it seems to me that like you are an introverted person mm-hmm. and a person who can go out into the world and not feel exhausted because right. you have created boundaries around your sensitivities and your unique needs and you honor them. Yes. Opposed to the person who's an introvert and is saying, oh, I can't be around people. It's too much. It's too much. I would argue that that person, it's, it's not the other people, right? It's the other people are there to give that person understanding of what they need and the boundaries that they need to have in place. Yeah. And oftentimes for sensitive people, that is like very against what society says we should be doing with our time and our day. Absolutely. Yeah. That makes a lot of, that makes a lot, a lot of sense because I actually was a person who would say that people exhausted me. Yeah, me too. And I would have the experience of total, you know, okay, I just hung out with a bunch of people. I need to go home. I need to be by myself. I, this is too much for me. And not in like a social anxiety away, just, just being actually drained. And it's because I was uh, saying yes to things that I should say no to. I was overextending myself to folks in a codependent way. Yeah. Uh, with family, with friends, being too involved uh, in their lives um, in terms of like, like I had a huge stake in, in whatever was going on with them. Mm. You know, it's like a friend would break, break up with someone and, you know, I'm breaking up with someone. That's mm. what it felt like, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. So how did you, how did, so kind of a two-part question. How, when did you identify that those boundaries were just not present? Like what was the breaking point? And how would you um, inform someone who let's say is like that codependent people pleaser, like exhausted by everybody else's energy, sensitive empath, (laughs) who is learning how to create those boundaries? Like what is the process? What would, what would be your suggestion? Well, it was definitely a multi-stepped process so it didn't happen all at once it happened slowly over time but there was probably one aha moment for me um that was sort of like the last push into truly recognizing that i maybe had boundaries with few other people like in my life in general with folks but I didn't have boundaries with my intimate relationships. Mm. And my last push was uh, about two years ago. Um, My father and I, there was something that happened and I told him how I felt about it. And 
he decided just not to talk to me for eight months. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that was a pattern in our relationship. And I didn't know how to deal with that. You know, I felt like I had done so much work on myself and I had tried like everything to try to show him how much I love him. And everything I did just wasn't good enough. Hmm. And, and I know that that's not necessarily true, but that's how it felt in, in, in our relationship. And uh, what I came to realize is that I didn't have boundaries in my relationship with my father. And that was the problem. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's what was the final push for me to establish boundaries in my intimate relationships with my family, with my best friends, with my boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Do you find that the um, like the child parent boundary relationship is something you see a lot in like, I mean, I, I can make my own assumptions here, but it's like, do you see that a lot with other people as well that, you know, like that, that same problem? Yeah. Well, I think that in that society promotes this sense of duty towards our parents. Mm. And I think uh, culturally for me, um, that's something that was like really driven home. So sort of that sense of like, I'm the parent, you're the child, I know more than you, you're going to take care of me when I'm old, everything I do, you have to listen to. Um, and, and I know that's true for a lot of folks. Um, and for me, that's definitely true. And, you know, my relationship with my father played out very much like that. And the only time that him and I were good was when I was quiet. Mm -hmm. So anytime I had a problem with anything um, or a feeling about anything that would be different than his, uh, we didn't get along. Mm -hmm. And anytime I put up a boundary with him, it was a problem, especially if it was obviously different than, you know, not saying he has boundary, he has no boundaries, but uh, (laughs) um, that it was different and that he didn't want to accept, we would, we would have an issue. So I think many people struggle with this just because of how our society views how children uh, and adults should treat their parents. It's like almost like we grow up, but we don't ever grow up from that uh hierarchy relationship I see. and i realized that like even the question i asked was a very i feel like it was a very leading question I'm like do you feel like people have i feel like i personally feel like this is a problem that i see all the time with students yeah i've seen it with myself i see it with my son where like there's this um well it starts very subtly where like parents like tell their child what to like what to eat and when to eat it or they tell them uh, like what they're, they can make comments about their bodies. And it's just, it becomes this, like, it becomes appropriate for parents to tell children what to do with their bodies. And Jazz and I have talked about this where it's like, go hug grandma. Like she got you a Christmas gift and like prostituting your child to your parent, you know, or to like a, a relative, right? This is, and I think I've spoken to Jasmine about this. This is like my, the hill that I will die on. 
(laughs) I, it makes my skin crawl every time I see an adult forcing a child into physical touch. Mm-hmm. And this just perpetuates the idea that our body is not ours. Yeah. And it it shows children that even if they're in a place where they don't want to do something, maybe they feel unsafe or maybe they just don't feel like it, right? right. That someone who they love and respect is telling them that it's okay. So they suck up their own, um, that, that part of you that's like, oh, I don't want to, you know, the intuition almost. Intuition, for sure. Right. That, that you're like, okay, well, you know, my mom said I should hug uncle Bill. And so, uh, but I don't really want to, but I, guess I'm going to hug Uncle Bill because mom mm-hmm. is like, okay, do it because you're nice and it's nice to hug Uncle Bill. Oh, that um, creeps me out just talking about it. Yeah, like but it flashbacks. <laughs> and, it, and it happens. It happened to me. Yeah. And nothing, nothing, like I want to preface this with like nothing, you know, quote unquote bad happened to me as a child. Right. Um, but it perpetuated this idea that my body isn't mine. My needs are not mine. My wants are not mine. I have to say and do what someone older than me, like my parents said. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It creates a huge cognitive dissonance in your experience that you're feeling internally and what feels right for you versus what is actually in your reality and your parents are serving you, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fragmenting. Mm-hmm. It can like fragment the psyche into parts. Yeah. Like creating the part. It's like, anyways, we can go into that, but it's like, it's, it can be very, um, like you said, Talina, like nothing quote unquote bad happened, but these are not, this is not how trauma works. Right. It's like, not that we have to have like this overt, horrible experience. It's the, it's the subtleties of what, is beneath the the behavior it's like what does that mean like what was the meaning of um of not being able to say no and having to force the, bo- the body into an experience that was not enjoyable then present day then being like oh yeah there's boundary stuff <laughs> mm. you know it's like okay. and then we're shocked it's like we're shocked that it's like oh why does our culture not you know not respect women or not respect you know no means no, or whatever the thing is, you know, we, we can we're getting very general here, but the reality is, is that um, when the most basic of needs is not respected, I think it can amplify the microaggression becomes macro. Um, mm. So in, in, I guess, finishing up that two part question, what would be your, <laughs> your suggestion to the person who is learning how to break those patterns of struggling with boundaries and codependency and uh, chameleon identity. (laughs) Mm, um, I would say what helped me personally the most uh, was going to therapy and talking about it. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to actually go to a therapist. um, But there's lots, I mean, there's, there's lots of communities, uh, like group therapy and whatnot that you can you can share your experiences either online or in person. 
um, with others. And um, also, you know, there's a ton, there's a ton of books uh, around uh, surviving, I say surviving very loosely, but like surviving like family trauma and, and uh, codependency and just, um, you know, being a child who had to uh, experience unpredictable parents and um, parents who couldn't regulate their emotions. Yeah. Right. Totally. And, and that, and that is what creates uh, people pleasers and people who have a proclivity to codependency is because you grew up in a space where you had to anticipate everybody else's needs before your own. Yeah. And exploring and unpacking that for yourself uh, is where I would start. And, you know, you'd be surprised that you start having memories of, oh, this, you know, when you're five or six years old, where you had to, ex- you had to manage a guardian's uh, emotions and make them feel better about something. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's no fault of their own, right? We're in this human experience. And at this point, you know, I feel so privileged to, you know, be living at this age, and to be able to experience so many different modalities of healing and information that, you know, our parents and our grandparents just didn't have access to. Yeah, for sure. I think there's a lot of challenge for people to step into this work especially with situations like ours where there's none of those horrible experiences right Mm. because we don't want our parents to feel a certain way and i mean this is this is the juice of it Mm -hmm. right there right like uh it's very (laughs) it's very ironic that what is holding us back is what we are actually needing to go to look at yeah Um, but i have go ahead tuna I think it's important too with that piece is that two truths can exist at once, right? Yeah. You can have wonderful, loving parents, but you could also have, uh, they could have been emotionally available, uh, unavailable when you needed them or someone that you had to emotionally regulate or they've experienced trauma in their life. Mm-hmm. And I say like, like even like big T trauma, um, you know, my parents for sure have and had no treatment or didn't have anyone to talk to about so so when you experience those things and then you have children which is one of like the most intimate experiences i think in life uh you just vomit on them basically right right? yeah and and so so i think i think that it's important that uh to say that i didn't have a horrible childhood Mm-hmm. Um, I love my family very, very much, mm-hmm. but there are things that happened and our dynamic in our family, I became the emotion, emotional regulator for everybody. Mm-hmm. And that turned me into a certain type of person, which mm-hmm. is not actually healthy to live out my life until I'm 80 or 90 years old. Right. Right. Nervous system on fleek. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. It's, and it can, I think be very confusing for the person in your shoes. And I I can speak to this too, because um, I didn't have a particularly quote unquote bad childhood. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, there was still trauma. There were still things that happened, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like I, like, you know, you hear other people and the comparison game starts, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, and it's, again, it's, I always, it, it, oh, it always comes back for me to food because I think about sitting at the table, eating your dinner and your parents says like, there are children starving in Africa. It's like, eat your dinner. There are children starving in Africa. Like that has anything to fucking do with what's on your plate in front of you. Okay. Thank you for minimizing my experience. So this idea of like, we have, you know, these, um, these experiences that growing up, we're not, we, we can't deem as big T trauma because we're like, well, we recognize that like we made it through and like we're, we're living and we're heart still beating and it's not maybe taking over our life in a really overt way. But I think that that can be really insidious because we can then go like, well, it's not that big a deal and someone has it worse, but you know, at the end of the day, it's still your experience and it still deserves space to be felt. You can, you can drown in six feet of water or six inches. Like it doesn't matter what that Mm -hmm. looks like. And that each person is, you know, their experience is valid. So like, even if you're hearing, if you're listening to this and going like, well, wow, maybe I didn't have this, you know, really horrible experience, but yeah, those themes came up for me. Um, mm-hmm. I would I would suggest avoiding guilting yourself that you don't deserve, quote unquote, to move through that um, because it wasn't, quote unquote, bad enough. You yeah, know, absolutely. I think that um, like even in my own experience, I, I, I had a great childhood. I love my family. I love my my sister and my mom and my dad were we have great connections. But for me, what I've recognized is that um, going through a divorce when I was very young, uh, my parents wanted to make sure that we still had a great childhood or a good experience in our childhood. So I recognize now, looking back, any time that I had a feeling of anger or upset or sadness, it was quickly to made feel better, right? These are the things that we need to do in order to feel better, right? It was Mm -hmm. never, I was never allowed to really, that I'm aware of, to like sit in that pain and really feel that pain and and have space held for that pain. It was always like, okay, what do we do to move through this? Mm -hmm. And it was only recently that I recognized uh, that this had happened to me and it was through uh, the, breakup of my most recent partner, reaching out to a parent and them providing with, uh, providing me with um, advice and guidance of how to move through it. And it's like, no, 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 no. I just, I just need you to listen to me. I'm just really upset right now. And I just want you to listen to me. And there was a bit of a, almost like a combative dialogue between the two of us, because that wasn't something that was normal and easy for the, that person to do. Yeah. Um, so I think it's important to recognize, and we talk a lot about this, Amanda, is that these are subtle energies, right? Mm-hmm. And just because they're subtle energies doesn't mean that they are less than. Right. They are, they are just as powerful, but they are just very subtle. And those who are more sensitive are able to connect deeper to these. Um, and with practice, everybody can. But it's to recognize that within these subtle energies, there is an unconscious intelligence that's working itself out. And it's not for us to understand how it's only for us to look and observe and be curious. Go ahead. Tamina. Yeah, I think 
I think too, when, what came up for me when you were saying that is like, it's a subtle energy, but it reminded me of the saying of consistency over time. So Mm. even though Mm. it's a subtle energy, if it's something that has been perpetuated through your whole life, it Mm. just, it becomes something so much bigger. Mm-hmm. It's no longer um, subtle. It's in your face. Exactly. Your it's boss really is yelling like at it's, you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's part. It's part of your story. Yeah. Um, yeah. Your marriage sucks. Your car is breaking down. You have all these bills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's no longer <laughs> subtle. Yeah. Exactly. It just consistency over time of a certain type of energy or a certain type of interaction, where um, which is one of the reasons why I always say to others. Um, specifically in like romantic relationships is uh, at the beginning when you're like so in love and like you have this major connection that you brush off a lot of the subtle things because they're not a big deal Mm. to you at the time but then like over time they accumulate and then you're in in it you know a year and a half later where you're like oh okay so I have this giant stack of stuff mm-hmm. that I didn't mm-hmm. really like, but I let it go because I was like, ah, eh, it's just a small thing. I don't want to nag. I don't want to, you know, mm-hmm. seem like I'm making a big deal out of something. And then it just turns into this gigantic mountain mm-hmm. of stuff mm-hmm. that you didn't initially, um, I don't want to say sign up for, but address, right? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the person on the other side is like, well, this is who I am. This is how I've been this whole entire time. What do you mean? What are you talking about? You didn't say anything. And you're like, yeah, but, you know, (laughs) and, and so I think it's uh, like a lesson that just like how you did um, in that conversation with a, a parent, that it's important that even if an energy is subtle, you need to ask for what what you want in that moment mm-hmm. from somebody if you're receiving an energy that you're like no this is this is not this is not what i wanted to do here mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and instead of being like oh it's not a big deal they're trying to help me and it's like no like if you're coming to someone for a specific reason and they're not providing that for you well mm-hmm. then maybe you need to hang up the phone and call somebody else Right. Or, or ask for what you need. <laughs> or, or ask yeah, for what yeah. you need, right? Yeah. yeah. If, if they aren't sure. willing to provide that, right? Yes, if your absolutely. conversation had gone a different way, yes. um, you could have just been like, okay, you know what? I have someone else that I, that I can call who will right. you know, provide this type of conversation that I need right now. Right, right. And, and society doesn't often allow us to know that that's an option mm-hmm. with, fam- mm-hmm. with family, you know? So, yeah. yeah. Let's crush that stigma. <laughs> it's been yeah. crushed. <laughs> cool. uh, should we finish with our four questions? Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. Amanda, go for it. All right, Talina, when do you feel most powerful? Ooh. <laughs> Probably having sex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I love that you did. Sorry, mom, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> Not sorry, mom. <laughs> uh, I feel like we can do a whole episode on just that, but yes. I'm going to move on to the next question. <laughs> um, what's one thing in this modern world that's got to go? 
Oh, wow. <laughs> I personally think like racism, like it just, it just has to go. Like it really, really does. Systemic racism. We need to just really change um, how we operate our governments and how we treat others that are, that we perceive as different than us. Because mm -hmm. I, um, you know, it's, it's something that's made up. So we need to stop. I feel that. Yeah, we're over it. <laughs> <laughs> over it. And so what's the one thing this world needs more of? Yeah, deeper, deeper connection. And, and I, I feel like it's cliche to say love, but I think deeper, intimate connection. Um, I think that we're so we ask a lot of questions that are surface level, we have a lot of surface level uh, conversations with folks. And we think, you know, that we're on the surface, we're close with someone, but we don't actually know them. And I think deeper connection is needed. Um, or can only be achieved through a true vulnerability. So you really have to put yourself out there. Mm, beautiful. And what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Ooh, actually, a couple months ago, my mom, I was talking to her about something, um, about a, a friendship, a friendship that I have. And she said to me, you know, imagine you spent all the energy you're spending worrying about this on yourself. <laughs> and I was like, you're so friggin' right. Mm. And so that's my advice to others. All the mm. energy that you spend on others, make sure that you are spending equal or more on yourself. I love Amen. that. Yeah. Yeah. Was there anything you'd like our listeners to know? Any final thoughts or words you want to share? Final thoughts. Uh, if you're listening and you feel connected to me in any way, uh, please, please reach out to me. I love talking to people and mm -hmm. I love making new friends and connections. And I would be happy to talk to you about whatever you have going on with you so don't hesitate to reach out her instagram bio is in the show notes and you can slide in her dm <laughs> you are welcome <laughs> thank you so much for having me you're very welcome thanks for chatting with us too thanks for tuning into the show this week we are so grateful for another opportunity to dive deep with you if you want to connect with us even further, head to our website, www.consciouslycrude.com. There you will find how to get in touch with both of us, upcoming events and workshops, and links to our social media platforms. We always welcome your input, so feel free to comment your questions, make guest suggestions, and let us know what you learned. And it is so, so, so appreciated that you please rate, comment, and share so we can grow this Conscious Collective platform. With gratitude, Amanda and Jazz.